bad company, then you're probably not right with God. I feel the need to give a disclaimer today, especially if you're kind of new to Action Church. This sermon could go any which way. It could go for about three hours. It could go for 10 minutes. It can make a lot of sense or it can make no sense. I'm strung out right now on sinus medicine. I was looking at my notes back here. I don't really remember writing any of them this week. So it's going to be a fun Sunday is basically what I'm saying. is We're in the second week of a series called God is blank. And we're talking about all the things that God is. The, the fact that God is what you need God to be right when you need God to be that. He, he's an on-time, all-the-time God. And, and I think that we tend to forget how good God is. We, we enter into a relationship with him, and after a while, just like with anything, whether it's a relationship with our spouse or a, a relationship in dating or, or we get a new car, just after a while, that new car smell goes away. And, and we tend to take things for granted. We don't tend to see the incredible awesomeness. Like I've always said, if you could take the feeling of falling in love and bottle it up and sell it, you'd be the most wealthy person in all the world. It's the ultimate high. But like with anything, things begin to wear on, especially when you don't pour into those things. And I think that sometimes what we do with God, we forget how incredible God is. We forget that God says, I am that I am. Whatever you need, I am. If you need a father, I'm the father. If you need a provider, I'm the provider. If you need a shepherd. If you need the Alpha Omega, whatever you need God to be, God is. Next week is Easter Sunday, and I have really felt led over about the last month, which is the whole reason I did this series. I want to get back to just to remind you at its core, God is love. And we're going to be talking about that next Sunday. That fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die on the cross for you and I. That's love. But the problem is before we can get to that and we understand that and we know that, when we know that God loves us, <laughs> we don't necessarily comprehend the depth of God's love. But regardless of anything that we do, we will do, or we have done, God loves us. It's an unconditional love. It's a no-strings-attached love, and that's hard for us. Because like it or not, our love comes with strings attached so many times. But to fully understand God's love, you have to understand a foundational issue, and that simply is this. Love is not what God does, but love is who God is. Love is not something he gives to us. Love is something that he is. The Bible says in 1 John, whoever, did not, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. At its core, God is love. God is love. It's not what he does, but it's who he is. Love is his very essence and his very nature. But that poses a problem sometimes. 
in our head. We hear that God is love. We preach that God is love. We amen when the preacher says God is love. But then we come back to this issue that if God is love, why do I go through periods where I don't feel God's love? Why do I go through times where I feel like God is a million miles away from me? Why do I go through periods where I feel like the last thing God is in my life is love? We say God is love, but I mean, I don't feel that love. Every one of us have been there, done that, have the scars to prove it. We go through those dark periods. I have people tell me all the time, man, I, I just don't feel God's love in my life right now. I'm looking for God and I can't find him. I'm looking for that love and I just don't feel it. They know that God is love. They understand that God is love. They accept that God is love. They probably even believe that God is love. But they go through periods of time, those dark days when everything is crashing down around us and we simply don't feel God's love. We feel like God has abandoned us. Anybody ever felt that way? Let me, let me double. Funny thing is, I look back over those times and God didn't abandon me. I had kind of abandoned him. You know? Where's God in the midst of this chaos? How do you not look at this society we live in? This world that we live in? And ask, how is God love? Where is God in the midst of the craziness? It's a natural reaction. We feel so distant from God. It's so weird to me. And can I be honest with you? A lot of times I feel that distance in my life. Many times after some of my greatest victories... After the ultimate highs, after the periods where I feel the closest to God, and then suddenly, boom, there's God. I don't feel that love anymore. There isn't a person here today who, if they'd be honest, and I know it's church, so it's hard to be honest at church, because we want to act like we have it all together. God forbid anybody knows we're not perfect. God forbid anybody knows that in real life doesn't line up at all with our social media life. There is not a person here, if we're being honest, that wouldn't say at one time or another, I felt distant from God. I I didn't feel that God loved me. I I feel God is far away. They they could barely tell, to be honest, that God's even around. Because if, if God loved me, why would this be happening? See, the problem is we put conditions on God's love. (laughs) If God loved me, then everything should be like going through a field of yellow daisies, running with unicorns as they fart out bubbles. It's amazing, and that's God's love. It'd be like all your favorite TV preachers that get them and say, God loves you, and everything's great. And because God loves you, I'm going to tell you a cute little joke today. And because it's a cute little joke, you're going to laugh. And that just shows that God is love. 
And then we go through periods that we don't feel that way. And there are no unicorns. And the fart bubbles are gone. And the sunflowers are dead. And we find ourselves in the desert wondering where is this love that I've heard about? I'm not a very bright man, and I'm definitely not a bright man today. Literally, I feel like I can see three of all of you right now, and I about stepped off the stage a minute ago, and I thought, that'd be great. So I'm staying way back today, my equilibrium's off. I'm debating right now, let me just be a little too, especially, somebody's like, I'm never coming back. The debate in my head right now is not preaching, the debate in my head is, huh, do I let the snot run out of my nose into my mouth? Or do I suck it back up into my nose so it goes down into my throat and I choke on it while I'm preaching? That's the, that's the constant battle right here in my mind right now, just being honest with you. But we're going to power through. I'm intentionally not taking any medicine this week where I can even be worse next Sunday on Easter. So when you bring your unchurched friends, they're just really freaked out. Not a very bright man, but here's one thing I know. In my 46, God, 46 years, I'm not a baby just because y'all are almost got one foot in the grave. That doesn't mean I'm a baby. 46 is old. Dang. Got the crypt keepers out there. Oh, he's such a baby. I feel old like, like more than half my life is over. No. 46 years, and this is what I get. What contest in hell have I won? You know? Ah. One thing I've learned, though, when we feel God doesn't love us, and this is hard for me to learn because this means I have to take personal responsibility. When we feel God is distant, when we feel God is not near, when we feel like God doesn't love us, I have learned over and over and over, God's not the problem. We are. He says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. That I am not changing. God is where he's always been, and his love is where it always is. And normally, not normally, scratch that, Always, when we feel a disconnect from God, God is not the problem. We are. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 31, 6, be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid, do not be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. We're the problem. Next week, we're going to talk about God is love. Today, we're going to talk about how come I don't always feel that love? Because I think it's important for us to take responsibility in our walk with Christ. It's our responsibility to take accountability in our relationship. I think there's so many reasons I could go through them. 
There's so many different reasons we go through periods of not feeling God's love. And, and sometimes it's just unavoidable because here's the deal, life happens. I I don't want you to beat yourself up today if you're there. I've been there. I'll be there again. Life is ups and it's downs. Life goes good and life goes bad. Tomorrow is my crap. I'm going to mess this up. (laughs) I want to say nine, but I think it's eight. Eight? Nine, eight. I knew it was eight. Tomorrow is my eighth anniversary. Some of y'all thought it would last eight days. Suckers! And I don't mean this in a negative way. But in some ways, I don't even remember my life before those. Like, it seems like that's all my life has ever been. I feel like I've been married to Christine forever. And Lord God knows she feels that way. But it's amazing how in just eight years, which in the grand scheme of things is not that long, how much your life can change. She posted a picture the other day of me. I was like half the man I am today. I looked so young eight years ago. B.C., before Christine, there was no gray in the hair. There was no gray in the beard because there was no beard. I'll never forget, we went on vacation one time, and I said, I'm going to grow my beard out. I'm not, I'm not shaving all vacation. It's going to be horrible. And then she, I grew the beard, and she said, don't ever shave it. And then now it's like, I will leave you if you shave. Like, I was that ugly when you married me? Like, But so much can change. Just in eight years, life's going to have ups and life's going to have downs, and you're going to live many lives in this one lifetime. So you're going to go through periods where you feel disconnected from God. But I think it's during those times when we need to stop and have some self-examination. We need to evaluate Are we pouring into the relationship what needs to be poured into the relationship? Let's do an age test here real quick. Not an age test, an age test. This has nothing to do with the sermon. This is just what's going through my mind right now. A minute ago, I said stop, and then I paused for a minute. How many of you thought stop, drop, and roll when I said that? You thought that was going to be the next words. Nobody? Stop, collaborate, and listen. That was what was going through my mind. I thought about busting that line out. Stop, it's hammer time, anybody? Well, so y'all basically thought nothing. The meds are good today. Because I thought stop, collaborate, and listen. And y'all don't know this about me. When I was about 14, I won a breakdance competition. So I about busted the worm out right up here. But I didn't think I'd be able to get back up. So let's get back to the sermon today. Self-examination. Self-examination. Before we get to Jesus is love, God is love. I want to focus on why we don't feel loved at times. It's a bad week for Xander to be gone because he can't edit this all out of the podcast. 
Number one, we're not seeking God like we should. We're not seeking God like we should. Sounds so simple. Sounds so easy, but we're not seeking God like we should. Matthew 6 says, but seek first his kingdom. His righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. That's a powerful verse. The Bible says when we're seeking God's will first, God's kingdom first, everything just seems to fall in line. We have this tendency in our prayer life to ask God to get involved in what we're doing. Instead of praying to God and asking God for us to get involved in what he's doing. We're not seeking God like we should. We're not placing God at the forefront of our priorities. Always kills me when people are moving. I, I, people move all the time, and man, I get it. And people are like, man, I'm moving for a job, and I'm moving for the, I've never had anybody say, man, we just feel like God's moving us. Better opportunity over here, but what does God want for your life? When we seek God first, the Bible says all these things will be given to you. (laughs) I I don't know what these things are. I I think the church has preached. I was watching a documentary this weekend, the Hillsong documentary on Discovery Plus. It's so eye-opening. It's almost disgusting. And talking about the business of church and the wealth of church and the prosperity gospel. And we tend to think, man, if you do this, this, God's going to bless you monetarily. And there's nothing wrong with being blessed monetarily. Let me make that very clear. But what if it means all these things are added unto you? A good, strong, healthy marriage is added unto you. Maybe it's peace and understanding about what it is that God wants for you in your life. Maybe it's an understanding and a peace in the path, career-wise, that God wants for you. Maybe it's just the peace of knowing your kids are following the right path. The peace of knowing you're in the center of God's will. When we put God first, it's funny how all these things fall into place. When we seek Him first, All these things are added unto us. When we seek him first and we're putting our part into the relationship, we suddenly feel his love. Maybe you're just simply not feeling God's love because God's so low on your priority list. If you came up to me and said, Gary, I want you to meet Shanae. And I'm going to marry this girl, Gary. And I love this girl, Gary. We've never been on a date. But she's the one. And unfortunately, I can't tell you how many of you have had that discussion with me over the years. You came out of this five-year relationship, and you're done, and then the next day on Facebook, you're back in love again with someone else. We're going to marry this girl. (laughs) We've never been on a date. It's just going to be like that. We're just going to get married. No, I don't know anything about her. I don't even know her last name. We're going to get married. She's the one. I'd look at you and tell you 
You're crazy. You're insane. Tanya May used to tell me, she's going to kill me for sharing this from the stage. She used to tell me, Gary, you don't got to marry everybody you sleep with. That's what I would tell this person. Don't be crazy. Because when you enter into a relationship, you have to seek that person. Or ladies, you need to seek him out. You need to pour into the relationship. You get to know each other. You begin to understand what it is that they love and they don't love. You communicate with each other. You learn what they love and you do more of what they love and less of what they hate. It's not that hard. But we seek in our relationships. Yet we have this relationship with this God and we think, man, I put my faith in him and we're good. We don't seek him. We don't seek to grow in our knowledge of him. I'm good, I got my fire insurance, boom, I'll put them on the shelf. We don't seek to live a life like Christ lived. So Gary, how do I get to seek him more? You spend time in the word. One of the greatest things you can do is open this book daily. I don't care if it's for three minutes. And spend time in this word. Spend time in prayer. You know, that you can go to God in prayer not just when your life's falling apart. It's amazing. Spend time learning about him. If this is the only knowledge you get of God every week, man, you're in bad shape. I don't care if you had the greatest teacher in all the world up here, who I am definitely not. But if that's all you got every week, then you're never going to grow in your relationship with Christ. The Bible says in Acts that about 3,000 people were saved, and they devoted themselves to the teaching. Those who were converted, those who entered into a relationship with Christ, they devoted themselves to learning more. They didn't get up and say, let's start another Bible study. Let's have a six-week class before you join the church. Let's do this and let's guilt people into joining. It says those who accepted Christ, they devoted themselves to learning more, to pursuing God. When was the last time you pursued God? When was the last time you sought him out like you should? When was the last time you put his priorities first? When was the last time you and your spouse prayed and said, God, I don't know what our next move is, but I want you to guide our steps in that move. He's an afterthought. I get messages all the time from people. Hey, man, job opportunity opened up. We moved to Alaska, blah, 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 blah. Is there any churches like action there? If we're lucky, there's no churches like action anywhere. (laughs) We wouldn't want to pass this on anywhere. But I think to myself, man, I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to beat you over the head, but I got to be honest, man. Like, if we were relocating, that'd be one of my first priorities. 
Because I want to put God first. I want to seek him. And, and not that I think church is the answer for everything. Matter of fact, I think church is probably a lot of the problem with Christianity. But I want to go to a place where I can get fed and I, I can have family and community with others. But we're down the back burner. We'll figure that out when we get there. And, and we start our way that way. And I quit doing weddings years ago. Years ago. Here's why. I got sick of going to do weddings where I knew the venue was $25,000. They probably dropped about $10,000 in catering. Four to $5,000. I, I mean, literally $100,000 weddings. And on Tuesday or Wednesday of the week, they'd be like, all of a sudden I'd get a call, hey, we need someone to come do the wedding. Could, could you come do it? No. You can get married without the venue. You can get married without the catering. You can find someone to sign the marriage certificate, actually. But marriage is a covenant between husband and wife before God. I would think that'd be the first thing you'd put an emphasis on. I don't do weddings for anybody now unless I, it's someone that I care enough about that I want me doing the wedding to be my gift to them. Some of you got butt hurt over that because I didn't do your friend's weddings. Man. That don't get you but hurt something else right here, Will. But we should seek God. He's such a low priority in our life. God's last for so many people in every decision we make, and yet we wonder why we don't feel loved by him. The problem is for so many of us, we turn God into simply a 911 call. Like how, like, how many times have we said, you've heard me say this before, something's going wrong, all we can do now is pray. Like, that's a last resort. I wonder how that would be different if it was our first resort, our first priority. If we were starting our day in this every day. I, I, you can tell a difference in my life when I'm starting my day in the Word and when I'm not. I can't tell a difference, but everybody in the house can tell a difference. Putting God first in our life, making him a priority. So, I don't feel this love. You say God's love, and I get it, and I'm going to talk to you next week about God being love. I get that. But the reason you don't feel it, simply you're not seeking God's love like you should. You're not seeking God like you should. You're not pouring into that relationship. The problem could be simply, number two, that we don't love like Jesus loves. We don't feel God's love because we don't love like he loves. 1 John 4 9 says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Now, let's be honest, that's setting the bar pretty high. He sent his son Down across for our sins. That's a high bar because I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not sacrificing any of my kids for any of you. And I doubt any of you are sacrificing your kids for me. I get it. I get it. Depends on what day some of you are saying. Depends on what day of the week. (coughs) I get it. That's a pretty high bar. God set a standard way 
above what you and I could ever meet. Yet we can still love like God loves, sacrificially love. I made a statement one time, and it's one of those statements that people still come back to me and remember the statement. I made this statement, if you're writing your notes, it's not going to be on the screen, you can write it down, but I said, if we're going to live like Jesus lived, we're going to have to learn to love like Jesus loved. Jesus loved unconditionally. If we're going to live like Jesus lived, we've got to love like Jesus loved. The problem is that just doesn't normally naturally come to us that way. Our love is based on what you can do for me, what you've done for me, what you haven't done for me. My love is based on the fact that over time you've earned my love and I've earned your love. So many times our love is based on you look like me, you act like me, believe like me, you voted like me. And Jesus just loved. Did you know something? This would be a great lesson for some of you today. You don't have to approve of somebody's lifestyle to love them. And did you also know that you cannot approve of someone's lifestyle? without telling them that every time you give a disclaimer before you tell them you love them? I know we don't see eye to eye on everything. Yeah, they already know, dumbass. (laughs) That wasn't the medicine either. Like, yeah, we get it. Saw a couple about a month ago, someone passed away that was pretty well known in the world that I'm in. And a lot of you knew him and we knew him, we had a relationship with him. The guy had a lot of demons. And like it almost irritated me watching everyone. Like they had to preface, well, we all know he had his demons, but we heard a lot of people along the way, but he's dead now. Like, well, you just gotta be right. Can't just say, man, condolences of the family to those that are hurting. Man, we're going to miss this person in this industry. Got to give a disclaimer because we love with conditions. We don't love like Jesus loved. It's funny how quickly we can turn off our love. Church is the worst. Someone leaves our church and all of a sudden, man, they're like, it's like the mafia. Guess what? God brings people to our church and God moves people from our church. It's okay. It's okay. Like, like some of y'all are going to be miserable in heaven. Like, you're going to get to heaven and find out that people that left your church are, are there and you're going to be shocked going to be a lot of people shocked when they roll up into heaven. And my double wide's there. Like, I got specific people in this community that I pray God puts my double wide next to their mansion. Like, when I'm going to my heavenly mailbox and my boxers and my wife beater, and the grass is all high because I ain't cut it, cars up on blocks, 
Like, I just want to remind him I made it. Hey! Crapper's full. But I'm here. God. We don't love like Jesus loves. I mean, how about when someone cuts you off in traffic, are you loving like Jesus loves? Are you loving people like Jesus loves people when you're on 20? Christine asked me to go to Walmart yesterday and pick up some stuff on a Saturday. I picked it up, put it in my buggy, and I see it across. I see the checkout line with only one person in that line. I thought the gods, the God was shining down on me. And I mean, I start sprinting. Coming sideways with my cart. Because I don't do the checkout. I don't do the self-checkout thing. It's too confusion. I don't want to get, I get a tie of onion and I get confused on the code. It stresses me all out. I don't like it. So like I'll wait in line for 40 minutes before I do self-checkout. But this one, there was one person in front of me. The one person in all of the state of Georgia who still writes checks. You'd have thought she knew she was going to write a check. So she'd have had her checkbook out of her purse before the total got rang up. But she didn't. So they ring the total up, and she pulls up this bag like she's Mary Poppins. I mean, everything's in this bag. I mean, she's pulling out, like, bottles of liquor, everything. She's digging. She finds a checkbook. All right, we're going to make it. I'm watching the line next to me. It's got 20 people in it, and they're just clicking through the line. I was like, man, if I was already in line, I'd be out of line by now. You would think also that if you were still one of the only humans in America that wrote checks, you'd have a pen attached to your checkbook. She didn't. Cashier ain't writing checks. She don't need a pen. So she back digging. If I'm lining up, we're seven minutes in now. After she found a checkbook, she's looking for a pen. I literally go to reach, because you know you're in the line, and there, everything's there. I was about to grab a thing of pens, open it, give her the pen, and just pay for the pens. About that time, she finds the pen. This woman wrote so slow. My jaw's tight. I'm getting irritated. Like, that's going to make it better. Like, what does that do breathing hard? Tapping my foot. I'm debating. I'm like, man, why don't I just pay for her total? Get her out of the line. She pays. I don't know how you do the shopping thing. Here's how I do it. When they're filling the bags, I take the bags and I start putting them in my buggy while they're checking me out. She ain't done nothing. I ain't talking about some old lady either, so let me make that clear. Because I can give some grace to that. So she starts, she's so slow. And I say, man, would you like some help? I got it. 
do you? Okay. I ain't proud of this. I stayed quiet and calm. She got the last bag in. I don't know why I can make it to the last second every time. I was like, finally. The minute I said I looked to my right, and someone who comes to church here regularly is just looking at me. I'm like, of course, what would they expect from me anyway, right? So what happens when you keep the standards low? Well, here's the deal. I don't know what that lady's going through. I don't know what God was protecting me from by maybe keeping me in line a little bit longer. But I sure wasn't loving like Jesus was loving. You could see just disgust on the cashier's face when I came up there. Now I'm justified in my head at this time because I'm irritated. Be disgusted with her. Don't be disgusted with me. But I could just tell it was contemptuous. She ain't worried about keeping the, the stuff that ain't cold and the stuff that's cold in a separate bag. She's throwing it all together. She's squishing my bread. I had hamburger buns. She's squishing it. She was irritated. And I got in the car. I'm alone. I'm thinking about my sermon. I remember I got this point. I'm thinking, man, I did not just love like Jesus loves. I just made an ass out of myself in Walmart on a Saturday. Well, we don't feel God's love because we don't love like he loves. We'll go to the restaurant today. Ask anybody ever been a waiter or a waitress? Anybody ever been a waiter or a waitress? I grew up with a mom who was a waitress. Their least favorite day to work, Sunday afternoons. Why? Because them church folks come in. And they're the biggest a-holes. Worst tippers. Even worse, sometimes they just leave a Jesus track instead of money. You can tell me how to get to heaven, but leave some money with that first. Man. Man, you just get irritated with people. I'm down at the church a couple of weeks ago, and a guy walks up to me and asks for money. People always ask for money around here. He's a homeless guy. And sometimes I help, and sometimes I don't. I mean, but this guy came up to me, and I kind of respected it. He said, hey, got a couple of dollars. I need some smokes. And at first, I was like, I need some smokes. And I was like, dang, at least he's being honest. Like, good for him. I mean, I ain't eight in five days, but I need some smokes. Self giving them some money, go get some smoke. You say, Well, you did that? Yeah. Why? Because my job is just to love like Jesus loves. That's why from day one we've emphasized around here we don't care the color of your skin. We don't care your social standing. This upsets some of you. We don't care your sexual preference. I don't care if you believe in God or don't believe in God. This church is for everybody. And we're going to love you right where you are. No matter how unlovable you are. We're going to meet you where you are. It's almost like we're looking for a reason not to love people. 
But the problem is when we're not loving people like Jesus should, we don't understand that how Jesus could love us like he does. Because we're not loving that way. We, we turn Jesus into us. There's no way he, he can love me. Does he know what I'm involved in? Does he know what I'm doing? Yet Jesus loves us right where, who were we not to love? When God loves us. I got so irritated. I don't even know why I'm talking about this because I know most of you don't keep up with church culture and I try not to because it disgusts me. But I was watching this documentary and they were talking about this guy, Carl Lentz. I don't know if you know who Carl Lentz is. He started a New York campus of Hillsong and he became a celebrity. I mean, man, he baptized Justin Bieber and he had all these Lakers players and all these movie stars coming to his church and his ego got out of control. He lost everything. And it didn't irritate me that he lost everything. Here's what it irritated me was this big church that was riding his coattails. The minute he screwed up, they threw him to the curb. It had nothing to do with them again. Church does a great job of ostracizing and a real bad job of restoring. I remember when I lost everything, a mentor of mine, if I said his name, every person here would know him. He said, man, you, you just need to go away for seven years. I'm like, oh, okay. So like, I, want, uh, I thought that was some biblical thing. I'm like, like well, why, why seven years? It's just a good number. What? So just go away for seven years? Like, what if I don't get any help during those seven years? I don't get my issues fixed. I can just come back in seven years? Go away for seven years. Like, we just, like, let's just pull it out of our butt. Never once anybody said, man, we want you to come here. And we're just going to love on you. And we're going to walk with you. We're going to get to the root of the issue here. Because we love based on what we can get out of people. Church does that. Pastors do that. We, we love you when you're giving. We love you when you're serving. But when you can no longer be a service to us, we're going to move on to the next shiny new toy. And it's disgusting. And then we wonder why we can't feel the love of Jesus. Because <laughs> it's hard to feel something, you want, so it's hard to get something you aren't giving. you're not getting out of your marriage, it's probably because you're not giving in your marriage. You're not getting when it comes to you. Christine has set me so strong. I'm like, I don't, I don't connect. The kids, man, I'm on a part, I'm connecting with them. And she's like, yeah, you are. Because you want to connect with them on your level and they're not into what you're into. Why don't you get into what they're into? Oh, I hate that crap. <laughs> hey, when she's right. Man, we love on our terms. Look like me, act like me, believe like me. And I love you. God's love, we've got to love like him. So why don't I feel God's love? Well, there's so many reasons. We're not seeking God like we should. We're not loving like God loves. And the last one, I'm done. And this, I think, is a big one. 
We don't feel worthy of his love. We don't feel God's love because we don't feel worthy of his love. How could God love me? The Bible says in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's no way God can love someone like me. Gary, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. You only know the parts that you know. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me break that word sinner down for you in the original language. Screw-ups. Mess-ups. People who do things contrary to God's word. Things that we do every single day, sometimes before I even get out of bed in the morning. Say, how do you sin before you get out of bed? You say, I can't tell you. But I'm telling you, it happens sometimes. Sometimes I sin in my sleep. Right every night I sin in my sleep. But Christ loves us. This is a hard thing to comprehend. There's nothing you can do to separate you from the love of God. Your past cannot separate you from the love of God. We hold, I'm guilty of this, we hold people's past over them. We hold our own past over ourselves. The Bible says while we were still sinners, <coughs> What that means, still sinners, is it means you don't have to become worthy for God to love you. You'd have to get your act together for God to love you. God loves you right where you're at. The most wicked, vile person you can think of, God loves them. That doesn't mean there won't be consequences for their actions. Never mistake loving for lack of consequences. I can love you and there's still consequences. God can still love us and there's still consequences for our actions. But God loves us. But we don't feel worthy of that love. We don't feel worthy of that love because it's hard for us to comprehend because we don't love like that. It goes back to the second point. How could God love me, Gary? Do you know what I did? I don't care. To be honest with you, I don't really care. God knows. And God loves you. You've put up a wall. You've separated yourself from feeling God's love because of your guilt. He says, I forgot your sins as far as the east is from the west. God's love never fails. This played out beautifully in the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. It's the story of Adam and Eve. 
There's the creation account. God's created everything for him, and he's given everything to Adam and Eve, and he's told them, you can do anything you know, but don't eat from that tree over there. Well, guess what they do? They go eat from that tree. And when they eat from that tree, sin enters into the world. Take a bite out of the apple, sin enters into the world, and their eyes are opened. They realize, oh my gosh, we're naked. The Bible said Adam felt ashamed. Now think about it. They'd been in constant relationship with God. All of a sudden, that's broken. Why? Because they distance themselves. They're over here, and they hear God coming through the garden. And what does he do? So I'm going to hide. I'm going to hide. That's what we do. We screw up. God comes looking for us, and we hide. I got to hide because then I had these thoughts. I got to hide because I had these actions. I put on this facade of being a great Christian. If anybody knew the truth, I'm just going to go hide. Genesis 3 says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat of? (laughs) Adam, where are you? You don't think God knew he had screwed up? Yet God's looking for him. He's walking in the garden. Adam, where are you? Mary, hey, where are you? John, where are you? Gary, where are you? Why are you hiding? Well, I screwed up and didn't want you to know. I already know. I'm God. I was afraid. What are you afraid of? Repercussions. But God says, there are repercussions. I love you. There's consequences. There was consequences to Adam and Eve. But one of those consequences was never not the love of God. Why are you hiding? I'm not good enough. I'm shameful. I feel guilty. I'm unlovable. God says to Adam, where are you? God says, I'm hiding. And that's what we do. We feel unworthy of God's love because we keep hiding. God already knows he's looking for us. God's looking at you saying, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were unlovable? Who told you that you need to go hide? Who told you that you need to go be ashamed? I love you. Ah, you screwed up, you failed. Let's get back up. I'm going to take that mess and I'm going to use it for your ministry. It's okay. Here, get up, knock knock the dust off your thing. Men are going to tell you you can't be used, but God, I love you. You're good. Satan's the one telling you that you're unworthy. Satan's the one telling you you've screwed up too much. Satan's the one reminding you of your past. When God says, I blotted it, I choose not to even remember it anymore. Where are you? You don't feel God's love because you feel unworthy. Ephesians 2 says this, for we are God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared us in advance for us to do. It's a beautiful truth. 
We don't have to become worthy for God to use us. He prepared to use us in advance. Before your mommy and daddy ever got freaky, God already prepared for you. He'd already made you. He already knew what he was going to do with you. And guess what? Your screw-up didn't catch God by surprise. I didn't know Lou was going to do that. He just screwed up everything in the whole world now. Nah, Lou's going to screw up right here. I'm going to take that screw up. And I'm going to show him my love like he's never experienced before. And I'm going to use him over here. Sometimes we've got to screw up to feel that love. Because we think when we got it all together, that's why God loves us. That ain't why God loves you. God ain't impressed with your good works. Man, give me a break. God is love. But Gary, I don't feel that love. God's not the problem. We are. Are you pouring into that relationship like you should? Any relationship you have, look at the best relationships in your life. I don't care if it's friendships, marriage, work relationships, whatever they are. The ones that you put the most into are the ones that are the healthiest. So why do we expect to be any different when it comes to God? Are you loving like God loves? I feel like there's any area the church, big C in general, sucks at is loving. We can't even love each other. Like church wars are crazy. I had a pastor call me about three weeks ago. He said, man, I got a bunch of your people coming here. I said, they ain't my people anymore. They're yours. He said, anything go down? I said, nothing I know of. But maybe. I appreciated him calling. He said, well, how'd you like me to handle it? You want me to send them back? I said, no. I told him, I said, I prayed for you. He said, you prayed for me? I said, well, I didn't know it was going to be you. I said, I feel a little guilty about that, but I prayed them out of here. I said, just love on them. I said, I still love them. At arm's length. I said, they needed anything, I'd be there for them. But you get to love on them as their pastor now. I don't got to talk junk about them. I don't got anything bad to say. God moves people. I'm just going to love. And then we just feel unworthy, man. Get past that. Because let me, let me encourage you today. You are unworthy. I am unworthy. We don't deserve God's love. That's why it's called grace. Unmerited favor. In God's grace, he uses us. This island of misfit toys down here in the ghetto of our city, God uses us. We're not worthy of God's love. Thank 
God. He's not a just God. If he was a just God, he'd give us what we deserve. <laughs> oh, I do not want what I deserve. He just loves us. In the muck, in the mire, while we were yet sinners, he still loved us. God so loved the world, he said, his only son, for we were ever even thought of. Preemptive love. So next week when I'm talking about God is love, and you're thinking, man, I don't feel God's love, evaluate your own life. I'm going to evaluate mine. Are we doing what we should do to make the relationship what it should be? I know this is hard in the culture we live in where everybody gets to pass the buck of responsibility. But take some responsibility. It's going to change your life. Let's pray.